This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, welcome everyone. Carm Capriato, Remarkable Results Radio and another Aftermarket Weekly. Good to have you here. I've got an up-close and personal interview with Oscar Gomez. Hello, Oscar. Hey, Carm, how's it going? It's great. Out there in California from Master Automotive Training. A lot going on with this guy. You really want to stick around and hear what he has to say on just about everything or anything that's going on in the industry. Hey, we want to thank Dorman so much. We're coming to you live on tape from the Dorman Training Center Studio, sometimes called my Carm Cave. Automotive technologies of today and tomorrow demand that professional technicians continuously maintain and grow their knowledge and skill sets. If one does not update, they will evaporate. Mastering the changing technologies, adapting new and more efficient testing techniques, and exploring new tooling and equipment applications are just a few challenges. Dorman Training is dedicated to providing the latest information and proven service and repair tips brought to you by some of the nation's best instructors in the company of some of the nation's best technicians. Dorman has been a leader in driving new product solutions for the automotive aftermarket for more than a century with DormanTrainingCenter.com. We also deliver the technical training and insight service professionals need to further their careers and stay current. The automotive industry constantly evolves with technical advancements, making it crucial for technicians to stay updated with the latest trends and techniques. By undergoing comprehensive training, aspiring technicians will equip themselves with the necessary skills and knowledge to excel in their field. In addition to personal technical training throughout the United States, Dorman Training Center delivers online training modules covering a wide variety of topics with new resources rolling out regularly. Whatever your role or experience, you can find helpful information on DormanTrainingCenter.com. Dorman Technical Training covers many of today's advanced automotive systems, including hybrid EV, driver assistance, diagnostics, emission, and complex electronics. Created for working service professionals and taught by ASE certified instructors, classes are held as lunch and learns in the evenings and weekends at on-site locations, as well as available on demand. Bring your knowledge to the next level at DormanTrainingLive.com. Hey, welcome back, Oscar. Wow, I've, I've seen you at ATC in Philadelphia. You were training a bilingual class. How cool was that? I've seen you at ASTE. You were training there, weren't you? I sure was. That was actually my first ever national event that I ever taught at. Wow. Ooh, neat. You won't forget that. Never. That was the best feeling at the same time. Not the worst feeling, but just I was so excited, but a little bit doubtful because just a, a standard trainer or educator that you usually have 10, 15 guys. And all of a sudden you're put into a classroom where you got 25, 40, 50 guys are hoping to take away that one golden nugget that's going to help them become better. And you're just in the back of your mind, you, you want to give them everything you have. And best part of it was I had my first class, I had Brandon Steckler sitting in. So one of the trainers that I admire so much and I look up to, and he was sitting in my class. So that just kind of solidified things like, man, this is real. This is actually happening. And it turned out to be a, a fantastic event. I got a lot of great feedback from a lot of the guys. A lot of them actually start following me on social media and constantly are contacting me. So I'm really thrilled that I was able to push through it and share this knowledge with these great individuals. Ooh, and they're all here to listen to me. 
No pressure. None whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) And especially with having Brandon in the room, I get it. Oh, my God. So you come from a family of technicians. I do. I'm the youngest of three. And my parents actually opened a facility in the early 90s. Car breeder shop, by the way. And so I got the privilege of working on everything from points, condensers, carburetors to throttle body injection to standard MPI or multi-ports as SFI, now GDI. So I was privileged to have that ability, but this wasn't something that I actually wanted to do. It was more of, I wanted to actually get a degree, go to college and do computer science, but I ended up at the shop. You know what? That is so interesting because you were probably mentally a little ahead of your time because now everything is computers. Everything you're doing, you're teaching, you're touching has to do with what your dream was a while back. Did you ever connect the dots? You know, I started seeing it once I started working more as a technician, not a mechanic at the shop. And that's when I started applying some of the stuff I learned because I actually went to college for about six months. And then that's when I said, this is not for me. And but what I learned throughout that time has actually helped me in the automotive industry, like hex, decimal and stuff like that, binary, because we see that in mode six with V vehicles. And that was relatively easy for me to pick up because I had already learned it in a college setting. And another thing was the thought process. We were taught how to evaluate a a PC and and how to run multiple tests, use a graphing multimeter and oscilloscope. And I was able to apply that into my automotive career once I left the traditional college setting and then went back to the shop. I got to know this. When does an individual just say, I'm teching, I'm working, I'm with the family and I want to be a trainer. I mean, take me back to the day that you made the leap. It's crazy. That story is, I can't even express how all of this happened. It's a classic, right? (laughs) To be super detailed, my girlfriend, which is my wife now, we were at her home sitting on her kitchen table because it was her cousin's quinceanera. And I get a phone call from the school that I attended to get my admissions license here in the state of California. And that was probably the only technical training I ever had. And the phone call was actually the owner of the school and my now mentor, Don Wilson. And he says, hey, I saw when I was teaching class how you were very helpful with all the other students. Have you ever thought about teaching? And I remember laughing really hard because I said, what do you mean teaching? Like I work on cars. How would I teach this stuff? And he says, you know, just come down on Monday and let's talk. And so sure enough, Monday finished up work, headed over to the school and he laid it out for me. He says, look, let me teach you to become a diagnostician. At the same time, I'll teach you how to become an educator. And all I ask from you is don't give up on me. There's going to be some hard times throughout this. There's going to be some stuff I'm going to require you to do. And if it all works out, then it works out. He's all the only thing is in the moment I notice that you give up on me, I'm done. That's it. There's no going back. There's no second chances. It's done. It's over. And you're going to have to figure this out on your own. I got to stop you for a moment and say that was a life changing exchange that he gave you. I mean, he literally took some epoxy gorilla glue cement, if you will, and he threw it on you and he's basically said, you can break it if you want. And if you do, you're out. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And I share my story with my students sometimes because a lot of them think like, you know, how did this happen? And after that, I would work Monday through Friday and I would get off at five, put on a fresh uniform, drive down to the school. Usually there was about two different restaurants I would pick up food from, eat in the parking lot. And then by six o'clock, I was walking 
walking in the door. Whether there was class or not, I was there. And that's when he started teaching me five gas analysis and the oscilloscopes and all that fun stuff. And within the first six months of him mentoring me, I just saw my expertise as a technician plus my salary just increase substantially to the point where when I left that shop, I was the shop foreman, lead tech, and I was making two times as much as all the other techs working half the time. And I didn't work weekends. I only worked Monday through Friday, nine to five. And But how did that happen? Was it that you weren't booking a lot of hours? They were they just didn't want to lose you? They kept paying you more? Yeah, they just kept paying me more. And since I was the only smog technician at that facility, the only licensed braking lamp adjuster, which is like a safety inspection here in California. And I was a guy who would pretty much fix anything that came in the door, plus whatever the other guys messed up. The shop owner was willing to pay whatever it took to keep me there. And if I wanted new tools, new diagnostic equipment, new, it got purchased. And some people might seem a little cocky, but in reality, it was more of the owners saw the potential and the stuff that I was actually able to do, plus the increase in revenue for the business. So they saw, you know, it's a win-win if we keep you. And I kept working at that shop. And then shortly after my 21st birthday, I got licensed as an instructor here in the state of California and then been a hell of a ride ever since. 21 years old. I mean, it's a great story. You just said something huge. The owner saw potential in me. So did your mentor see that in you. But you were smart enough to realize that you had potential. It's one of those things where even my wife still tells me to this day that she says, you're great at what you do. And sometimes I'll tell her, no, I'm not. And I don't know if I just do that on my own, but I feel that I am really good at what I do. I just feel that there's other people that are better than me and what I do. And I still love to this day learning from them because that just helps me become that much better to then help others do the same, just like my mentor did with me. What a great story, young man. But you have the imposter syndrome, which so many of everyone in the industry does, who may be a trainer, who may be at the top of their craft and says, I can't believe how I got here. But people, if they stop for one minute, I wrote a blog on this and look at the value and the experience of all that you've done, all the training you've been to, all the case study that you performed, all the stuff that you've read, all the comebacks that you fixed, <laughs> all the networking that you pulled from. And you say, my God, man, I mean, it's the story of how the carpenter knows where to put the nail in the squeaking floor, right? It's a dollar for the nail and it's 99 bucks to know where to put it. And we need to get paid for that. And I'm not sure there's enough of us because we, through osmosis after all these years, we just got good at what we do, but we don't value where that came from and how I got there. Think about the year before. Well, okay, I learned a ton of stuff, but I don't remember what it is, but that makes me good today. Doesn't that mean that you should get paid more or charge more? It really does. Absolutely. I'm a firm believer in that as well. I'm off my soapbox. So one of the things you wanted to talk about was skipping the basics. Help me how you look at that. We see it often. And when I was full education, I wouldn't see it as much because we were only working on cars that my students would bring in that were at their shop and they couldn't figure it out. So then we'd have them bring it in as a lab. And then that day is all right, cool. Let's figure this out. And then with my students and I, we would kind of diagnose it, go through the normal routine and then figure out what was going on with the car. And one thing that I've noticed now that we have a shop, plus when I was doing this with my students, is the basics are one of the things that most technicians overlook. And we actually just fixed a car not too long ago that came in where a lot of the modules weren't communicating and all it turned out to be was a bad battery. So what ended up happening is when we, I went back to the technician who was checking this because he was a shop that brings us work. And I asked him, you know, what happened? Well, I checked everything. The battery had 12 volts. 
said, you do realize 12 volts is a dead battery, right? And he says, well, no, 12 volts is 12 volts. Like, no. Um, and I use the analogy that Jim Morton uses. What if you plug in a television set to your wall outlet and only has 90 volts? Is it going to turn on? He says, no. What's well, the same thing with the car battery? And a lot of these guys just skim over the basics. Ah, well, the car starts, the lights turn on, so the battery should be fine. Or the car turns on, so the fuel pump should be okay. And those basics are usually the ones who come back and bite them in the butt when they're into the car three, four, five, six hours, and then they have to send it to another specialty shop to get it evaluated. And then we come to find out, it's like, oh, yeah, your battery had a dead cell in it. Or, hey, you know what? Your fuel pump was low on volume, had a dead commutator. So a lot of these guys just skip those basics. And unfortunately, 90% of evaluations or diagnostics we do are all basics. It's mind boggling to me how some technicians will just avoid the basics and start thinking like on a molecular structure saying, oh, well, this computer, it's probably going to be a chipset somewhere in there that's bad and this and that. It's like, whoa, how'd you get there? Well, everything else seems fine. So it must be that. And the shop, we have a rolling joke called the rule of three, three coils, three injectors, three plugs, three modules. And when that doesn't fix it, send it to the dealer. And it's like, come on, guys. Like, So we see that quite often. And that's one of the reasons why for me, I always talk about you need to master the basics. And if you can't master the basics, you can never do any of the advanced stuff because you don't understand the basics. I love it. You know, I like to talk about doctoring a lot in the show. And so I go to the doctor and I say to the doctor, listen, it hurts over here on my side. Does he immediately send me to a kidney or and or maybe possibly a liver specialist? No. He starts saying, what are you eating? That's getting back to the basics. Yes. Are you drinking a lot of water? Back to the basics. They really start some formulation of the bottom of where you need to start hovering up to you know figure out what could possibly be wrong. And then you maybe look at the blood. Your analogy is great. Not enough. I mean, it goes back to the story when we asked people, have been to a basic electrical class lately? <laughs> yeah. And volt ohms and amps, guys, I have to tell you as a non-tech, how much I respect a friend who's an electrician, home electrician, and you guys knowing the resistance and, and how all that works. If you don't have that... You're probably dead in the water, Oscar? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I just taught a hybrid class, and then I taught another one in Spanish earlier this year. 99% of those technicians had absolutely zero clue basic electrical on the low-voltage side. So when I finished the class, I stopped and I told everybody, and during my thank you was, I love you guys. Do me a huge favor. Take a basic electrical class before you kill yourself. They had no understanding of what is voltage drop. They had no understanding of how to use a DVOM to check to make sure the contactors were open and you had no high voltage flowing through the system. Most of them were already working on hybrids and didn't have high voltage gloves. These little basic things are why our industry is in a big situation because most of these guys will come in and say, I've done electrical for so many years and what's the difference between it now and then? Okay, so then we start talking about basic electrical, Kershaw's law of voltage drops and stuff like that. And they have zero clue what it is. And that just tells you, it's like, okay, well, how are you fixing electrical circuits if you don't even understand how resistance is going to affect the flow of current? And that's when most of these guys have that realization that, holy crap, I really don't know what I don't know. But then you also have those ones that are really cocky and say, oh, I don't need that stuff. I've been fixing it for so on and so forth. Yeah, the rule of three. Yeah, the 
the rule of three. <laughs> Let me see. Hmm. Why don't we put this on and see if it fixes my problem? That's right. The parts cannon. Exactly. And speaking of the parts cannon, we actually had a vehicle get dropped off yesterday and uh, had my students help me with it. And we made them do it with drivability diagnosis, symptom based. We didn't let them use any codes or anything like that. And they were surprised at how many parts that car already had. It had a new alternator, had a new EGR, had a new idle air control valve and I think an O2 sensor. So all of that got thrown at it. And all it was was a bad map sensor, manifold absolute pressure sensor. So they were astonished because one, they were able to figure out the problem within about 35, 40 minutes. And then this other shop had thrown all these parts at the car and there was invoices in the car. So the customer got charged for all of that. And then now they shipped it to us to get it actually diagnosed properly and get it fixed. Amazing. Your story is inspiring. And I hope there are people listening to this that can say, Oscar's right. We've got to get ourselves to that next level. So many things I want to know about you. Let's go back to the day that you said, I'm going to become a professional trainer. And then you morphed into having brick and mortar. Now you're repairing cars. I mean, so many great trainers that either are mobile diags and have brick and mortar and training. It's becoming such an incredible industry. I mean, you know, so many peers in the industry that are doing just what you're doing. Oh, yeah. And that's actually what kind of motivated me to do it more. Originally, when I started training, Training here in California, my only thing I would train was emissions. So I was teaching how to get an emissions license here in the state of California. And what turned everything around for me is I got a phone call from a student and he tells me, he's like, hey, Oscar, you know what? I can't pass my AAC L1. And I said, well, how come? It's a relatively easy exam. And he says, you know, I just cannot pass it. And I told him, all right, you know what, meet me here. I met him on a Saturday. I told him, come down to school on Saturday, bring your test results. Let's look them over. Let's see what's going on. So we started looking them over and I told him clearly, your problem here is electrical. And he says, yeah, that's my weak point. And I said, all right, cool. Let's do this. Let's do one full day. We'll sit down. We'll go over it and then set up your test right away and see what happens. So we set up another Saturday. He comes down. I think we did about five, six hours together of just review. And then he took his exam on that following Monday calls me up when he finishes and he says, dude, I passed. And that's what really got me more into, man, I could do more than just teach admissions. And that's when I really started focusing more on educating on the diagnostic side, because that's where I saw that a lot of the technicians were struggling more. They weren't all looking to get that emissions license. A lot of these guys just wanted to be able to fix a car. So that's when I started focusing more on the drivability side. And then that's when I actually determined my why. Plus, that's when I also determined what my drive was because at that point I had been doing emissions training for such a long time that it was becoming boring to me. It was repetitive and just the same old thing for the same amount of time. And that's what really just ignited everything for me and got me going even more. So if it wasn't for that one phone call, I don't think I would have been able to accomplish, complete, and do what I've done to this day. To me, though, it seems like you have an intuition that speaks to you. You saw what happened in teaching electrical for this L1 test, and he passed. There was a moment that you said, hmm, interesting. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> some people let that go. They just do it, and maybe they're, they could have had an entire career change had they stopped, looked, learned, listened, and moved them to a different pathway, which is what you did. Right. A lot has to do with my mentor. You know, he would always show me stuff like, hey, you know, I remember the first time he came in and he says, have you ever done a relative compression test? So what the hell is that? And then he shows me a printout 
And all I see is just a bunch of squiggly lines. <laughs> what is this? And he's like, I did a compression test from the battery. I said, no way. So he showed me that test. So that kind of initiated that drive where if I see something that I might be lacking on or something that I know I can build upon, I'll definitely get on it because I see how that could might be beneficial to me down the road or another technician down the road. And the more that I can pick up, again, the more that I can pass along. And just like my mentor did with me, and that's what I'm trying to do with everybody that comes in contact with me. And, and I say that to everybody. If you see me somewhere and you stop me and you ask me a question, I'm not going to brush you off. I'll do my best I can to help you because my mentor never, ever told me oh, I'm not going to help you. It was more of whatever you need help with, you contact me and we'll figure this out together. So I try to do that as much as I can. Are you doing a lot of bilingual? I just started to. And it was funny because my parents always, so in our household, we couldn't speak to our parents in English. So it was always in Spanish. And recently I told my wife that I wanted to do Spanish training, but my biggest concern was Spanish was my second language, not my first. And depending on the region you're in, your Spanish can change different vocabulary, different terms. And in mid 2020, I saw a Facebook post from a trainer out here in my area in Spanish. So I reached out to him and when I did so, he came down to the school and by the end of that, it was like a three, four hour meeting, I hired him and he started teaching Spanish classes and he's the one who really pushed me to start training in Spanish. And in July of this year, I taught my first Spanish class in Auto Mechanica in the city of Mexico, which was super amazing. My first one, I actually filled up a room of about 100 people and I taught a introductory class to hybrid. So it was super interesting. And from that day, I've been teaching Spanish classes on my own. And then I've done a couple for Dorman and I've also done a couple for NGK. SmartAutotraining.com. That's the website? Yes, that's our school's website. That's your school's website. But Master Automotive Training, that's it really, right? Yes. So the school is Master Automotive Training, but we decided to go with the URL, SmartAutotraining.com. Figured it, it sounded better and it was shorter than MasterAutomotiveTraining.com. It rings a bell. I like that. Why are techs refusing training? That owners go out and say, listen, we've got to get ourselves to ASTE to vision. We've got to go to this particular class. Eh, I don't have time, boss. Send someone else. What's going on? From what I've been told, because I ask a lot of these guys, especially when they call the school and, you know, they're like, oh, I don't, uh, it's too this and that. I'll tell them, honestly, what's the reason why you don't want to go to training? And the most common answer I get is, why am I going to go to training to make my boss more money? And that's usually the answer I get. And my rebuttal to that, and most of the time when I say this, they just stay quiet. It's, are you doing this for your boss or are you doing this for you? And most of the time they just stay quiet. And they're like, well, I never thought about that. And uh, that's when I let them know, I like, well, if you're going to do this for your boss, then this isn't the career for you because you need to do this for yourself. The more you can train yourself, educate yourself, the more you increase your value, the more your value is, the more valuable you are to the marketplace, which means you're going to get paid more. And that's when they have that harsh realization, like, holy crap, you're right. And then usually that's when I tell them as well as, you know, why toolboxes have wheels and well, that's because if the shop doesn't value you, you can roll that box right out and go find one that will because every shop that I know is hiring. So that's when they really start seeing that, holy crap, you know, my thought process is bad here. I need to correct that. And that's the most common thing that I hear from techs is why am I going to go to training and make him more money or make her more money? And that's, in my opinion, the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, it's like you, you took your hand and you slapped him upside the head and say, sit down and listen 
listen to me. (laughs) And in a very nice way, you're building your value. And if the owner of the shop doesn't see respect that, then you have all kinds of choices. Yet, if I go to school and I don't participate and I don't listen and I don't come back and learn and I don't read the notes and I don't do case studies and I don't become a perpetual student, it was a waste of your time, the owner's money. So go to training because you really want to improve yourself and your world around you. I think the career move, the career idea is so powerful Yet maybe it takes a young 20-something person like you to look at a younger tech and say, damn, Oscar, Oscar just slapped me upside the head. (laughs) You know, I try to be as nice about it as possible. And then usually when I start a class, I always start with my why and I always let them know I'm here to better the automotive industry one technician at a time. My next thing I always let them know is how much I believe in investment in education pays the best interest. And then I follow that with, you guys know that you can always get your money back, but you can't get your time back. And I tell them that because I offer a money back guarantee. If this class or this school is not for you, I'll write you a check so you can go home or go find a school that really fits you. This way they don't waste their time. And then like I tell them, not only are you wasting your time, I'm also wasting wasting my time and I value my time. So I will not be wasting it. So that's usually when a lot of these guys are like, crap, he is not messing around. And that's the first couple of things that come out of my mouth when I start a class, whether it's in my school or at a training event, because these guys need to realize that we're here. This is serious. And don't lollygag. Don't waste your time. Don't waste my time. Ever start a class out and say, Raise your hand if your owner paid for the class. Okay, thank you. Now raise your hand if you paid for the class. Okay, thank you. And then get up on your soapbox. I haven't done that one, but I have done one where I'll have an introductory and or icebreaker. And I've had some guys like, oh, I'm just here because my dad sent me. And you could just see them sitting there like, I don't care about this. So usually what I'll do is at the end, I'll come up to them and be like, so what's going on, man? You said your dad sent you. Yeah, you know, he just wants me to take this. I don't want to be here. And so then I'll ask him, like, okay, have you talked to your dad about that? Well, no, because he's going to get upset. I said, okay, well, let me ask you this. What would you be doing if you weren't here? Probably at home, video games, this and that. Okay, how's that going to help you in the future? Oh, I don't know. Okay, well, unless you're going to become an engineer for gaming, then why not just sit here and take this information and it might help you in the future. It might not. But from what I can tell, it more than likely will. And I start involving these kids a lot more. And usually I see them excel from the other guys after that conversation because it kind of triggers them like, damn, he's right. I could be at home just playing video games or be here and learn something that someday might be able to help me in anything that I do. And I've been seeing a really good turnaround with that. And what I would love to see more is more women in this industry. The girls that I've had in my classes are amazing compared to the guys. They'll overperform the guys. Their test scores are better. They'll grab. I have a student right now. One of my classes last night, she just walked up to the scope, started grabbing leads, plugging stuff in. And all the other guys were just dumbfounded, like, holy crap, is she really doing all this? Set up the scope, ran a test, and then began to analyze it. She got a little stuck there, but she took the reins. Unlike most of the other guys were just sitting back, arms crossed, and just hoping the car's going to test itself. So that's some of the positives that I've seen with more women coming into the industry. You're not the only one who's told me that. I would go to that student whose dad said he had to be here. You know what I would say to him? I'd say, did you ask your dad why? Yeah, that's a good one. Isn't that an interesting thought? So, dad, why do you want me to go to this class? And then maybe dad, maybe owner, you have a chance, a wonderful chance. Come in the office. Let's talk about the why. 
and a chance to share and learn and talk about the fact that, well, we've had a lot of comebacks lately. I've got those beautiful pieces of equipment you all told me to buy sitting there. There's a little dust level on them, and I'd love for you guys to go out and learn how this works. Wait a minute. If you have all this gear, it's supposed to give you all this skill, right, Oscar? Yeah, that's what a lot of people think, and that's why I tell them, the gear don't give you skill. And I remember coming up with this when I rode on the tool truck for about two weeks or so, and uh, my buddy owned a snap-on route, and it was the biggest eye-opener I ever had. The reason why I got on it is he told me, hey, you know what? This guy bought a really expensive scan tool and he wants to return it. And I said, why? This is because he doesn't understand it. I said, cool. When do we do a stop? And he says, well, we're going to stop today. We stopped by, I started talking to the guy and he says, you know, this tool sucks. Well, why? I can't use it. Have you bothered taking any training with it? Well, no. Okay, well, why would you buy a tool that you're not going to invest time in to learn how to use it? So we figured out that he was basically using a $12,000 scan tool as a glorified code reader. And what I told the guy is, you know, you could have bought a $40 code reader from Harbor Freight that would do the exact same thing, not a $12,000 four-channel scope and scan tool. So I showed him some basic stuff like, all right, this is how you test a battery starter and charging system with one connection using your four channel scope. And the guy was amazed. Wow, I didn't know this could do this. So at that point, that's when I started telling people when I teach classes is the biggest problem we see in this industry is somebody who go on the two truck, buy a $12,000 tool put it in their corner, let it get full of dust. And then they're not going to pull it out until they have a car they can't fix using traditional methods. They're going to try to use a tool they've never used before on a problem they've never seen before and try to fix the car with a tool they've never used all at the same time. And then who do they blame? The tool. And in reality, the tool is the tech because the tech didn't actually take the time to learn how to use the tool before they actually had to do it. So what I tell people is when you guys invest in a tool, you need to also invest in the training behind the tool and look at it. How much is this tool going to cost me to purchase? Plus, how much are the updates? Plus, how much is my update training to learn how to use this particular tool? Why aren't your tool guys selling training? Their training is online. They believe more and it's more cost efficient to do stuff online. And what I've found with most technicians is their visual kinesthetic. They got to do it with their hands. Got it. So here's the deal. Your local tool guy knows Oscar and he knows master automotive training at smartautotraining.com. Got it. And so when you buy the tool, I have this visual, right? The tool guy has the tool in his hands. And the owner wants to take it from him or the technician and they want to take it and he holds it and he keeps holding it. No, give it to me. No, 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 no. You can't have it. You can't have it. Well, why won't you let me have it? Because if you don't get the training, this thing, I'm not going to sell it to you <laughs> because you're going to want a refund in six months. And he holds onto it. It's a metaphor. It's a visual thing that you can't steal it. You can't take it. I can't sell it to you unless you get training. Now, there's guys like Oscar all around the country, maybe not in every city, but there's a lot of great trainers out there that are local that should be connecting up for the kinesthetic, touching, hand-holding. You would probably more than happy to welcome someone in a 50-mile radius to come to your your shop to learn how to use the tool, right? Absolutely. And we actually, my instructors and my shop foreman will actually host that we call it a jam session and I'll post it on social media and tell everybody, Hey, we're having a jam session. You want to stop by, stop by. Usually when we have them, nobody shows up. And what we do with that is we'll either have a car that was dropped off at the shop or one of the lab cars and we'll take out a tool. Last time we did it, we did it with just a scan tool. It says, all right, let's, let's see what we can do with this tool. And we just start messing with stuff, probing with stuff, checking data, causing faults. And this this is how we all learn off of each other. My foreman might have a different way of testing something than I do, or my other instructor might have a different way of doing it than myself. So we can all learn from each other and learn how to use our equipment. I love it. Jam. 
session. Yeah, that's what we call it. But you say nobody shows up. Nobody shows up. The last one we did was two months ago and it was myself, my foreman, one of my other instructors, Josh, and my cousin was the only one who showed up. All right. Well, that's you're speechless. I'm speechless. Who can figure when you were, you probably weren't even charging for that, were you? No, it was absolutely free. All you had to do was show up. Yeah. Bring your tool. Come on. Let's jam. If the concept is great, please don't give up on it. Maybe one day it'll become, it'll get on fire. Hey, one of the things that I saw on your website, Oscar, was that you offer financial support. How does that work? So I've been actually bashed a lot about this by some business coaches. So if you can't afford your training, we'll do like an in-house finance where we'll actually split it up into payments and you can do weekly payments while you're in school. And we don't charge extra for it. We don't add interest on that. Nothing. It's We just kind of help you with instead of paying it all as a lump sum, we'll do weekly payments. And that's where I also came up with a seven day money back guarantee, because if we don't, we're not a fit for you, I don't want you to be here and then have a bad experience because of that. I'd much rather I'll write you a check for whatever you paid. We'll cancel your contract and you can go find training that fits you. If I'm not a fit for you, I don't want to force that fit because if I have to force it on Monday, I'm going to have to force it on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. So I'd much rather have somebody who has that burning desire and fits who we are and what we're doing and why we're doing it other than somebody who's just looking for just training in general. If they want training in general, they can go to a cheaper or more economical school that there are around. Is it a marketing thing or is it just the passion that you have to get it right? For me, it's more of the passion. I really haven't tried to use that as a marketing tool. I use it more as I believe in my product. I believe in what we do. And I have a strong belief in our abilities as educators to help those students who give us that small amount of attention span to help them become better or get them to the next level. Do you vet them before they come in? We do. Is it the form of just a Q&A with an owner, a Q&A with the technician? Do you have any kind of assessments? So we do have an assessment. And usually the assessments would be if a student wants to skip a particular class. For example, if they want to skip electrical and go straight into engine performance, I'll make them take my electrical final. And if they can't pass that, then they don't have the capacity to skip electrical and go to engine performance. Okay. Smarter than smart. People come from out of the region or are you just holding in uh, studio classes for the region around you? I have one student in particular. He drives every Saturday from Bakersfield, which is a two and a half hour drive. And I had one student who attended our air conditioning class four Sundays in a row from Las Vegas. So I have had, oh, and I've actually had one student, Mike's listening. He's a great tech. I'm just trying to inspire him and motivate him a little bit more because he has what it takes. He's just kind of afraid to do it. But he came all the way from New Jersey to take my electrical and drivability class. This was refreshing. We're going to hear an awful lot from Oscar Gomez over the years. Trust me, you're going to be a a noise that's going to really be help everyone. Have you had a chance to get get in division this year? I'm super thrilled about it because I did. I actually, when I got the email from Sherry, I was so overwhelmed with joy. And my wife says, what's going on? I said, dude, I got into vision. And I got a message from Rick Escalambre, Jim Morton, and a couple of the other big trainers on Facebook. And they're like, congratulations, buddy. You did it. You made it. And I sent them a message. Thank you so much. You guys were the driving force behind it because behind closed doors, they've actually been really good mentors to me and helped me out. Brandon Steckler as well. G Truly as well. And all of these guys put together gave me that ability to learn more from them, be able to apply it. And then also were pushing me to do it. And 
I'll be honest, I never, ever thought that someday I would be teaching at Vision. So I think that's a big dream of mine that actually came true. And for anybody listening, if I was able to do it, I know you guys can as well. And like I tell everybody, hopefully one day I'm sitting in your class as a student that I was part of that inspiration, like all these other great educators have been for me to actually get there as well. What class? So I'm going to be teaching three classes. I'm teaching one for the educator think tank presentation skills, little things that I do in my classroom to help with students and make the class that much better. You know, I always make a joke that I've sat in some classes that when I woke up, I said, man, this was a great class. And I say that because there's a lot of educators out there that are the best educator, but just because they're so monotone with, with the way they talk, it just makes it so boring. So those little things are put a class together that I taught here at the uh, CATS here in California for educators. And Rick Escalambre asked me if I would teach that at Vision. I said, of course. So I'm teaching that one. And then I'm teaching a electrical and drivability class. And then also a 10 modes of OBD2, including mode six class. Okay, hot commodity, man. So good to have Oscar Gomez from Master Automotive Training on the show. His website, smartautotraining.com. Don't be bashful. We'll have you on again, man. Definitely. I really appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time... 